As a real estate investor in Canada, there's quite a few challenges when it comes to searching out potential properties to invest in, getting the information. But south of the border, there's a lot more tools that can help you. And in particular, looking at the upside of a property and finding the ones with you know, significant equity as the upside. And my guest today, Marcus Maloney, is the equity king. That's the area that he specializes in. And we have an interesting conversation around the way that you can find those kind of properties in the US, how Marcus goes about marketing and finding those people and those deals. And, and we cover quite a few areas with regards to, and it can be done completely virtually, which is kind of the interesting thing. And I think for a lot of uh, Canadian real estate investors right now that the Canadian market is not making sense, but uh, I know several investors who are looking south of the border and working south of the border very successfully. And, and so I think you'll find this conversation and the insights from Marcus uh, very helpful. So enjoy the show. Welcome to the Personally Brandtastic podcast, where we help you build your personal brand and business so that people can find you easily, want to work with you, and can't wait to refer you. My name is Paul Kopkin, and every day I work with real estate investors, professionals, and business owners who want to stand out from the crowd and attract more of the right opportunities without feeling inauthentic or spending all day doing it. It's all about communicating how personally brandtastic you are, because marketing is how to get their attention, but personal branding is why they choose you. Now, back to the show. Okay, Marcus, thank you for joining us today. So I am speaking to the equity king. So I, lo I love the fact that you have a brand and we'll talk a little bit about that, but perhaps kind of just kick us off, give us a quick kind of summary of how you got into real estate, you know, what kind of motivated that and then, you know, what you're doing, obviously talk a little bit more about what you're doing and how you're marketing yourself. Sure. Paul, first of all, thank you so much for allowing me to speak to your listeners, man. It's truly an honor and a pleasure because not Every opportunity, you know, is worth taking up on the challenge, but I figured with you and your audience, it was definitely gracious. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, before we get started, let me picture, you know, let me paint the backstory. So growing up 49, I would say about 50 miles south of Chicago. So I grew up in the best of both worlds. We're close enough to a major metro where I can experience the major metro, but yet far enough to where my grandparents own a 49-acre farm. So it's where we got the country life and the city life together, right? And I learned about investing. I want to start with just general investing before we even get into real estate investing was we had to, before we would go back to school, all kids know, you go back to school, you go school shopping, you want to be nice, clean, impressed on the first day of school because you want to impress everybody, right? Well, for us, it was a little bit different. We had to earn our back-to-school clothes shopping. And it wasn't just basically, you know, go out and rake leaves or anything like that and cut grass. What we had to do, me, my brother, and some of my cousins was my grandfather, he owned this farm and, and he raised pigs. So every spring, we got a chance to go to the auction and purchase one piglet. Or if you had the money, you could purchase two. Uh, between 10 and 15 bucks, right? So we would invest our money in these piglets. And then over the summer, we would have to feed them, fatten them up, and then we would take them back to the auction and then resell them. Well, as you all may know, pigs will eat anything, wherever it is, you know, they will just eat until there's no more. So we would 
we had the responsibility of feeding our piglets over the summer and we were buying for 10 to 15 bucks and you sold them by the weight. So we would try and feed them, get them as fat as possible and take them back. So sometimes by the time it comes, you know, the end of summer, early August, they are, you know, early to, to, to late August, they are, you know, two, 250 pounds. Well, we bought these piglets at, you know, two pounds. So that's how we learned. So we bought at $10, $15, and then we turned around and sold them at, you know, right around 200 bucks, you know, about three months later. So it taught us and it taught me the dynamics of buying low and selling high. So that's how I learned investing in general at an early age. So, wow. and it piqued my interest because I was like, man, you know what? I took this $15 and pigs ate anything. So it wasn't like we had to really go out and invest in, you know, feed or anything like that, you know, grass clippings, old corn, anything scraps from the table and turned around and made, you know, $200. So you look at the Delta between let's just use round numbers, $10 and $200. That's $190 Delta. And that's what we got to keep and use for real, for our back to school clothes shopping. So Wow. Just that's, to, that's an alternative lemonade stand, isn't it? That's, yeah. Yeah. You know what I just, that, and, and I always like to paint that backstory to let people right. know, you know, that you can invest and there's a myriad of things around you within your sphere that you can invest in. And it doesn't have to be something so tangible, you know, to where there's a high barrier of entry. Right. Great point. So how did that, how did pig raising lead you to real estate? What was the you know what? So from my grandfather, very entrepreneurial, you know, we always learn how to see opportunity. Well, my mom, she learned that also. And this was back in the late eighties, I would say 88, 89, somewhere around there. She bought two houses. One was a burnt fire damage house. And then the other one was just a nasty rental, you know, really the properties were worth, I think she bought them for like under 10 grand. Right. So we looked at it as, you know, this is just more work because it was always boys. It was like me, my brother, my cousin. So we were the labor force, right? So we just looked at it as, you know, if this is more work, what are we going to do with these houses? You know, and we had to work with the contractors and do demo. And from that, she bought those houses and rehabbed them and flipped them, actually. And one, she, she flipped and sold. And she showed us a check for, it was between 30 and $40,000. I can't quite remember, but it was a massive number. And she was saying that this is, I made this money on this one project that took her, it's like two and a half months to do on this one project made more than I made for the whole year at my salary as a nurse. So that intrigued me, you know, again, to see how investing how the wheels of investing can really push you forward. And the other property we still own today in our rental portfolio. Really? So you can imagine, yes, wow. from 1988 to current, how many times have that property paid us over and over mm -hmm. and over again? So that was my dynamics and learning one, how to invest and then two, how to invest in real estate because my mom showed me that. So then fast forward, I just took on the energy and I always wanted, you know, to invest because it, I grew up in it basically. And we started buying 
you know, smaller single family houses and renting those properties out and built a right. portfolio. And so how does your business look now? What are the things that you're focused on and what is it that you're doing in real estate? Right now, you know, we, I'm doing a few things. So again, my name is the Equity King. So I look for massive amounts of equity and property. So we do a lot of, you know, off-market searches for properties. So we do a lot of marketing as far as direct mail, cold calling to find. We're, we're looking for problems and not properties. We're looking for homeowners that have problems with the property and they don't know exactly how to get out of that problem. And because of our expertise and our years of experience, we can solve the problem, but there's a fee for solving that problem. And that fee is just a percentage of their equity being transferred over to us. So we do some wholesale transactions. We build, we have a real estate portfolio of rentals. And then also we have residential group homes that we have contracts with the state of Illinois, where we house minors that had failed adoptions and that are wards of the state. So we have a wow. couple of different things that we do. Wow. So when you're looking at equity, you know, what are the kind of things that a real estate investor needs to be aware of when they're looking for properties that will have a good lift in terms of equity? First, of, first off is the exit strategy. You know, how am I going to exit this property if I want to exit this property? So you're going to run those when you're looking for properties and you're looking for equity, you're, you're going to look at how are you going to exit this property? Am I going to do this as a fix and flip? Am I going to do this as a buy and hold this property? Am I just going to wholesale this property out? So that's first and foremost. So especially let's just say with wholesaling, for example, you have to have a large amount of equity because you're passing this property off to another investor that wants equity in the property as well. So you have to have a larger amount of than if you were to fix and flip that property uh, yourself. So one thing that I would say is when you're looking for equity, first determine what that exit strategy is on that property. Because naturally, if you're going to buy and hold that property for you know, 10, 15 years, you don't need such a large equity position because your game, your end game there is the positive cash flow. Right. So how do you find those properties in the first place? Because these are not I'm guessing not MLS type of properties. So what, right. what are the strategies that you're using to find uh, these deals? So these are all off-market properties. Again, these are properties where a seller says, you know what, my property is in too bad of a condition in order to list on an MLS. And most people will say, well, there's no property that's that bad where you can list on an MLS. Well, as a realtor, and we are guilty with this, you know, we really want to list the properties that are in good condition because we get paid off the con the commission of the sales price. The property is in bad condition. The sales price is not going to be high. So a lot of realtors will tell homeowners, well, you know what? You need to repair the roof. You're going to need to do this. You're going to need to do that, you know, X, Y, and Z. And that homeowner may not have that capital set aside in order to make those repairs. So now they feel that they're stuck with a property that they can't do anything with they still paying property taxes on it, still need to make those repairs. So what we do is we use a, we use a system that's called PropStream. And I can also, Paul, offer your listeners a free seven-day trial. But we use, a, we use a source or system called PropStream where it can find different triggers in your market to say, okay, this homeowner is going through bankruptcy or went through a bankruptcy. 
This property has a tax lien on it. This property has been vacant for three or four years. So all of that tells us that there are problems with that property and problems with that seller. And what we do is we download that data. We skip trace it. We send it through another system where we can pull the homeowner's telephone number, address, everything like that. And then we just jump on the phone and we have a conversation with them. Right. So you're doing very targeted marketing versus print a postcard or print a flyer and <clears throat> drop it in 15,000, 20,000 homes. Well, we, do you do that as well? Or? Yes. It's just okay. that those 10 to 15,000 property owners have a specific trigger that we're looking for. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that we look for is that property in any kind of distress, like we talked about, is the homeowner in any kind of distress, went through bankruptcy or have tax liens on a property or something like that. And then we look for a percentage of equity. So we'll put in there, hey, we want to look for a property that's been vacant for a year, have, you know, over 50% equity position in the property and may have a tax lien on it. Right. So those are three triggers that tell us, hey, this homeowner needs to do something with this property and they really don't understand or know exactly what to do with it. So let us help. Okay. I I'm guessing you're not the only person doing this in any of the markets you're in. So no. how do you differentiate yourself? I, I mean, how do you become the person that property owner wants to have a conversation with instead of somebody else? Again, it, it goes back to branding, right, Paul? So one of the things that we do when we have these conversations, before they even get a chance to know us, they're getting a phone call from us and we're letting them know, hey, look, we're a family owned and operated business. So there, because a lot of homeowners, they say, well, I don't want to sell to a big corporation or I don't want to sell to a hedge fund. And then they don't want to sell to the little guy because they're not sure if that little guy is going to be able to perform and close out that transaction. So we take the position of, hey, we're a family owned business. We've been around for three generations. We're not this huge conglomerate, but what we're looking for is we're looking for opportunities where we can help people do social good and yet in turn buy a property in the area. By starting that conversation with that, it brings that guard down and then it positions us as, hey, one, we're trying to help. And then two, we have the answers to help you, right? And then another thing that we do is after that initial phone call, we capture their email and we send them what we call as a credibility packet. And that credibility packet has a few things in it. It has our business entity, you know, certificate of good standing saying, hey, we're, we are business, we are in good standing. We send a testimonial video link that they can look at. And then also I'm a licensed agent. So I send them a copy of my uh, realtor's license number and information like that, that they can look up. So it lets them know that for one, this is not a scam. Everything that right. we talked about is true. Here are some of the people that we worked with. So you could be the next person that we work with and, you know, we have a good business stand. That's interesting because that credibility piece, particularly in today's age, we're all getting emails that mm -hmm. we're not sure if that's the right company or whether, as, exactly as you say, is it a scam? Is it phishing? Is it, so that, that's an important part, I, I would imagine, that kind of helps you differentiate. Yeah. And people, you know, people like to do business with people that they know, like, and trust, right? So. Right. By doing that, I'm giving them an opportunity to know us better. I'm giving them an opportunity to see if we're the type of people that they want to work with. 
just from our demeanor and our professionalism. And then the trust factor is, hey, look, they sent over their business certificate of good standing. He sent over his license number so I can research it. So I know that this person is legitimate. Are you finding in in terms of a, a market kind of coverage, is it better to focus in a geographical area so that you become known as kind of the person in that area? Or are you finding that you're, you're able to go wider field because of that? You know, for us, it's we're picking geographical areas because we have a certain product that we're looking for. So right. we're looking okay. for certain property characteristics, certain sellers that we're looking for in certain markets. But what I would say is on the national level, let's just say if you want to just wholesale properties, for instance, you don't have to target any geographical location. You can say, hey, you know what? I just want to reach everybody. I want to reach the masses. Um, For me, it's more expensive to do that. And then Mm -hmm. you can get lost in the minutia of, you know, okay, here's a deal over in North Carolina versus a deal over in California. You know, now you're spread kind of broad. Now, if you have the bandwidth and you have the team in order to do that, so be it. But I always say target. You got to have a target. Yeah. And that, are you seeing more people, you know, are you seeing more people getting into this strategy right now, given the current market? Or are you seeing less people? Is there less competition? Yeah, we're seeing a falling away, right? Here in the States with interest rates constantly going up and we're in a quandary between homeowners that already own a home that had a two to 3% interest rate, you know, two or three years ago that owned the property. They're not looking to sell right now right. to get into a mortgage that's triple, almost triple. So a lot of homeowners are, are holding where they're at. But the good thing about it is once we talk to a homeowner and they are interested in selling, we know because we already pulled those motivation triggers, we know that there is some sort of distress. And not everybody know how to pull those distress triggers out of a homeowner and find that data. So we we consider ourselves, you know, using some innovative marketing strategies in order to find those homeowners and to pos- position ourselves in that market. And And I mean, because of the nature of the properties you're targeting, are you ever... Because I know in the U.S. it's quite different up here in in mm-hmm. Canada, from what I understand. But in the U.S., you can actually transfer a mortgage, can't potentially? Is that right? Well, it's called subject to. You can buy the property with the original mortgage in place. You can't really transfer the mortgage okay. because here in the states you have two entities. You have the deed, which is the ownership, and you have the mortgage. So you can have your name on the deed and own the property and not have your name on the mortgage. But the mortgagor, which is the bank, is in first lien position. So if they want to call that note due, then you being on a deed doesn't matter. They'll just still be able to take that property from you because the the mortgage is in first lien position and they can call that note due. So Mm -hmm. And have the higher interest rates dictated that you know, change the exit strategies that you're looking at now versus, you know, three, four years ago. Right. Absolutely. We were doing more fix and flips. So we were going in, buying the properties low, going in, rehabbing them, and then reselling them on the market. Now our strategy is more building our portfolio for rental properties. And the reason why we took that switch is because the market kind of dictated it, right? So if it's harder to find properties, 
right. um, and renovate them. And then once you get them renovated and you put it on the market and people are not wanting to pay a 7% interest, your holding cost is a lot longer. So what normally took us maybe, you know, 90 days to 120 days to sell a property and, you know, from the acquisition to the sale now is taken you know, six months, seven months in order to do it because that holding cost is a, that holding time is a lot longer, which drives up your holding costs, which lower your profits Perfect. and your margins. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And how is the rental market typically are you finding is are rents going up significantly or? They're pretty stable now. They took a run up last year and the year before. Now they're pretty stable, but with it being stable, there's so many renters, so many people out here that are looking for rental properties to where it's no issue to find, right. you know, a tenant. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure if you know that much about the Canadian market, but each province has different tenanting laws, laws. and, and mm -hmm. rules. And in Ontario, particularly during COVID, it was a challenge to, you know, people could a tenant could stop paying their rent and it would take you 10 to 12 months to get it to a hearing. Yeah, I, I know Canada, you guys had some really strict laws and guidelines when it come to COVID. I was mm -hmm. working with a, with a client up there and that's some of the things that they were talking about. It was like, no, everything is still shut down. And here in the States, we have been open for four or five months and they were like, right. nope, everything is still shut down. So and that's the whole point, Paul, of understanding your market and knowing exactly right. where you are, because what you do in one market doesn't necessarily translate to the next. Right. And, and, and to that point, but you, uh, do you find that you've got to be kind of flexible around your marketing strategies because of that, because one market is different from another? Very true. Very true. Right. You know, you have to be fluid. What message works in one market doesn't necessarily work in another market. So you always have to be testing okay, what is working here and what isn't and why isn't it working? And that's part of that A-B testing, just knowing, you know, that one size fits all doesn't, doesn't necessarily work. Right. And, and just touching on, I, I guess COVID has kind of taught us that we don't necessarily need to meet people face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. Are you still finding that, you know, virtual investing is possible or is it, are people now looking more back again at, wanting to, to shake a hand or to meet in person? Paul, honestly, we were doing basically all virtual before COVID started. So it, COVID really put us in a position to be an industry leader in our market mm -hmm. because everyone was used to being belly to belly, right? We know that's the best way to close deals, belly to belly, talking to each other, shaking hand, let's close the deal. Well, we were doing a lot of that just over the phone, closing transactions over the phone. We may have somebody in that market that, that could just go out, take pictures of the property and then upload those pictures and we review the pictures and then give that seller an offer over the phone, right? So we became astute at that to where it was basic common business practice. Even when COVID started, it was like, okay, nothing stops us. We're still going because we were already in that trend. And, and honestly, it, it benefited us. Hmm. And in terms of marketing your business and, and your brand as the equity king, what are the kind of things you're doing from a social media point of view, from an email marketing 
perspective, what are the kind of, kind of things that you're doing to differentiate and stand out in that? Sure. Case? Well, we're on all platforms, Paul. So it's handles our MRCS Maloney on all platforms, Instagram, Twitter, threads, YouTube, Facebook. So we're out there. Plus we have our own, I'm saying we, cause it's a team, but I have my own podcast that we love equity real estate show. So it's really putting content out there. One to help your listeners and to help your followers. And then two, to build that brand awareness and to build that trust, right? Because if you're constantly giving, giving, I think it was Gary V that had the uh, book jab, right, right hook, right. Jab, right hips. So you're constantly giving. And then it comes to a position where you can make the ask without being feeling guilty at making the ask and without the listener feeling guilty because you ask is because you give. So we do a lot of lost leaders. So one of the things that we do to fill up our funnel and pipeline of listeners is we give. So we give like a purchase contract for review. I do a 15 minute free consultation. And the only thing that I ask in return is that they give me an email. Once we have that email, now they're in our, they're in our ecosystem. And now we can email, we can send videos, we can send footage, things that will keep them aware of you know, what's going on in the real estate industry and what will benefit them. So these are, so these are real estate investors or people that might be interested in becoming real estate investors and Both. following, right. Following your system, following your, is that what you're doing now? You're yes. kind of co coaching and uh, helping other people do what you do. Is that? Absolutely. Right. And yeah, doing that, we give, and then in return, like I was saying earlier, before we got started, we have the Deal Finders Club. So we help people to do exactly what me and my partner has been doing for over a decade. And is that an online course? Is that the? Yes, it's, it's online. So right. we have the waiting list up now at AZDFC. And we do have students in the northern region. So up in Canada, we do have students. But it's AZDFC. And there's an online course with eight modules, over 30 lessons. And then every Thursday we jump on Zoom and we go over all of the online content okay. and we get, you know, really into the weeds. It's no rush. We're on for two hours um, and we just answer questions, uh, do role play, go over scenarios. And we even help people talk with sellers that they believe may be a good potential opportunity for them. Right. And so somebody who's a, you know, a listener here, a real estate investor, or somebody who's thinking of real estate investing here in Canada, this is the kind of program where I could take it and say, I'm going to focus on the Arizona market, or I'm going to focus on Texas or specific towns or cities. So it's something that you could do remotely. You could even do part-time. Is that? Yes. Yes. We have a student right now that's over in the middle East. And he is doing marketing and doing deals in Houston, Texas. So yes, you can be remote. So we have students all over the world that come in and they work with us and we teach them how to position themselves here in the States. Right. Yeah. Cause I know there's a lot of Canadians that are certainly real estate investors. That I know are looking south of the border for investment opportunities because the, the Canadian market, the, the numbers just don't work. I mean, mm -hmm. particularly, you know, like if you were looking for long-term buy and hold single family home, the numbers just don't work. It, 
you know, for the, from a large number of the markets up here. Yeah. But, and we, but, and, and, but I know somebody that, you know, he specializes in, and goes down into Ohio and Cleveland in particular, and is closing deals every week. And, and it's funny that you mentioned Cleveland, my partner, uh, Mike Del Preet, that's where he does his remote deals. So he's here in Arizona and he's doing deals in Cleveland, Cincinnati, all across the Midwest. And I'm doing deals from here in Arizona, all across the Midwest and the Southeast. So it's not anything that we're just teaching, but we're actually doing as well. So we go over deals that we're currently doing and we have students that say, we say, okay, here's the homework. We're here in Arizona. This is a deal that we're looking at in, you know, Dayton, Ohio. Let's run the numbers together to, to see if mm -hmm. this is truly a deal. And if it is, we showed them, we walked them through the steps of us purchasing the property, us doing a rehab on the property, everything like that. So not only do we acquire the properties for buying holds, you know, out of state, but we also do fix and flips out of state as well. Wow. And on that, do you help people kind of pull their team together? Because that's the other thing is having your mm -hmm. team of professionals like, you know, banking, finance, mortgage, lawyer, et cetera. It, again, that's, again, it's all remote. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. So that's exactly what we do. And the reason why, like you said, it's key because it's all remote. So when we went to different markets, that was the things that we had to overcome. Those are some of the barriers that we had to overcome. Mm. And we do have modules within our online course that show you, okay, if you're going into a new market, what do you need to look for? Who are the team members you need on your team? How do you interview those team members to see if they're a good fit? And then what are the, some of the job, what's the job descriptions and the roles that they need to do? So it's not only, hey, I'm going out to find you know, a banker that can finance my deals, but there's a certain type of financing that you're looking for. There's a certain type of, you know, title agent that you're looking for, a certain type of real estate investor that you want to work with. Because let's be honest, not all real estate invest, not real estate investors, but not all real estate agents are equal, right? There's right. some real estate agents that only deal with high-end properties. There's some that only deal with vacation rentals or something like that. So you have to be able to identify who's going to be on your team, how they fit within the circle of your team, and how can you evaluate if this person is the person that you need on your team? Right. Interesting. Interesting. So, Marcus, I've got a couple of questions I'd like to ask guests before we kind sure. of wrap up and, and let you point people in your direction. Who is a favorite individual, a personal brand? Who do you like and why? You know what? I really love Bishop T.D. Jakes. Okay. And because he's in the spiritual arena, you know, a Christian, but at the same time, he is prolific when it comes to marketing. If you study his trends and the things that he do with yeah. marketing, it's amazing. And not only is he, you know, a bishop of the church, but he's building affordable housing complexes in Texas. He's buying raw land. So he's multifaceted. And that's kind of the reason why I follow him. And not only that, because he feeds me spiritually also. Right. Nice. I like that. Mm -hmm. What about a favorite business book or podcast? You know what? It's not so much a business book, but it, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. It's, it just explains, you know, how just being tied to your personal journey and what you have to overcome, what you have to go through, and to be able to identify 
you know, if you're on the right path and some key things to know that you're on the right path. So The Alchemist, that's my favorite book. I don't think we've ever had a guest mention that, but I know the book and, and yeah, that's a great recommendation. Yep. Um, and do you have a new tool or resource that you're enjoying using right now? Yeah. You know what? The one that I share with you, PropStream, in order to find, you know, off-market opportunities, off-market deals, it's PropStream.com. It's an excellent tool. It saves you so much time. So if you're in Canada and you want to research, hey, a property in Arizona and Phoenix, Arizona or Tucson, Arizona, you could put that address in there and it'll give you all of the details. Who's the owner? How long they own the property? What type of financing they use? How much do they still owe on their mortgage? You know, things like that. So, wow. yeah, that's it's an awesome tool. And I know in, in Canada, you know, it's a non-disclosure state. So you guys don't get all of that information. Yeah, I was going to say, there's no, yeah. I don't think there's anything like that. Up here. Yeah. Wow. But here, wow. yeah. And it has information on any property within the U.S. Wow. Okay. And do you have a, a quote uh, that inspires or motivates you? Yeah. One of the quotes that I always use, Paul, and this is my own personal quote, is education without implementation is just information. So you can get educated as much as possible. But if you don't do anything with that education, it's just information. It's just useless information that you have that you're not taking action on. So again, education without implementation is just information. Love that. Great way to wrap up. All right, Marcus, how can people find out more about you? Tell them about, you know, and find out more about your deal club. Sure. It's the best place. Our waiting list is open. It's at azdfc.com. Or you can go to Marcus E. Maloney. So that's M-A-R-C-U-S, E for equity, M-A-L-O-N-E-Y.com. That's my personal website where you can, again, get that seven-day free trial to PropStream, any kind of information that you want as far as finding deals, what you need to do, tools you can use, tools that we use. You can find it there at MarcusEMaloney.com. And then all of my social media handles, MRCS Maloney. Okay, wonderful. And I have to ask, is the E in the URL for, stand for equity or is it your middle initial? It, it's my middle initial. Oh, really? But, yeah. And it also ah, stands for equity. It's also, yep. part, also part of your brand. I love that. That's great. Yep, yep you got awesome. it. Awesome. All right, we'll make oh, sure. And then, and then I'm yep. sorry, Paul. Mm -hmm. And then if your listeners want more information about, you know, the deals that we're doing here in the States, they can listen to my podcast, which right. is the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Okay. We'll make sure all of that is in the show notes. And Marcus, thank you for sharing your insights today and have yourself a brandtastic day. Thank you so much, Paul. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, was that brandtastic? Did it give you some ideas and actions that you can take right now to build your business? So get to it. Thank you for listening and have a brandtastic day.